Hello again, this is the recording for the class about urban shamans, or like I say, urban shaman. Um, the background, you know, my background are essentially here in this place in New York City, are essentially birds and airplanes. So you will listen a lot of that during all the recording. Um, so what I like to do in all my classes, and this is one of the first that I do, is I do not use a script because I don't like it, because it's very, very distracting me a lot. So I prefer to say the things that I know, because if you have a script, also you have a lot of edition, uh, uh, I don't enjoy really that part. I go for the practical things. So this is what I know about it. Um, growing in Amazon. Uh, because this is something that people ask me a lot about it. It's some kind of romanticism about the idea. Oh, they grow in Amazon. I don't know. People think that we are using ayahuasca every day or something like that. And fishing every day and chanting every day. I don't know. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Um, it has many, literally many, misunderstandings for misunderstandings, misunderstandings uh, for linguistic stuff with tourists who usually comes to to tell us that everything that we are practicing is venerating the evil or that we are using the incorrect words, uh, like the word shaman, that I'm trying to keep safe uh, because uh, it's a word that has not 12 or 3 uh, years with us, has centuries of culture with us, is part of our culture for many reasons and something very important is that many people when you use the word shaman has a confusion with the word shaman from Siberia. Um, actual, I think that actually is Russia in these moments. I'm not sure about it. But it's not the same. It's really not the same. The problem is, the problem here, that's the word, is a problem. The problem here is that most of those books that people read about shamanists are not written for shamans, are written for anthropologists. Very wide anthropologists, usually from Europe or from North America, who not visit Amazon and who don't visit Russia, so they don't have really any idea about what they are speaking. Because if they has the time, and obviously the money, and more obviously yet the interest to understand something that they are trying to teach, not just for the money, they will take the time and the money to visit both places and know and understand that both practice are very similar and at the same time are very different. And the word shaman has a similar but different root of origin that the word shaman is very, very different. 
you will note it if you look for the word shaman in English and the word shaman translated in Spanish. You will note immediately that the first letter of the word is completely different. What happens there uh, is very interesting. We pronounce the word in a similar way, but the roots of both words are entirely different. That's very, very important to know. So I will let all of this information for another recording uh, because the social construct about the world is very important, it's very historical, and there's a lot of culture in there. Uh, this gives us material for a whole class, and it's not the idea of this recording. The idea of this recording is just something more personal, less enthusiastic, most boring, that is growing between uh, healers, curanderos, shamans, and we call witches in Amazon, and the romantic idea that people has about it. Uh, first of all, not everyone in Amazon is from Brazil. Amazon is a middle place uh, that you can look in the maps, and you will note that yeah, a big part of Brazil is is um, is involved in Amazon, but also a big part of Venezuela and um, Colombia and Argentina, and practically all the countries in South America has access to to Brazil, to Amazon. And it's a common place. Um, the terms about frontiers and limitations and passports, yeah, that exists, but it's a bit, but you're thinking in, in American way. That everything is in boxes, everything is in, with labels and tags and limits and frontiers and barriers and goals. In South America, we don't think in that way, we think in a different way. So it's very important to know that the understanding about that is pretty different. So not everyone in Amazon is Brazilian, in the same way that not everyone in Amazon is Venezuelan. It's a lot of mix-up, there's many, many tribes in there who actually don't speak Spanish or, or Portuguese, and if you want to speak with them, you need to understand their language because they are very close, they don't let that everyone comes to them. Um, it's many, many tribes, actually. Some tribes in there come from uh, very different places. If, for example, the Arawaks are very well known, like the Caribbean natives. Um, a very important character in the voodoo folklore here in New Orleans, I think that is in New Orleans. I'm not sure if it's New Orleans or Salem because my understanding of American history is horrible, it's terrible, it's very limited. Um, a very well-known character is Tituba. Tituba was some kind of voodoo witch, a person of color uh, that is very integrated in the culture of the voodoo in the United States. Tituba is also very popular in South America. Actually, Tituba is a very common name in Amazon. Tituba comes from the Arawak tribes, or at least that say history books, and at least that say many uh, historians on folklore, specialists on folklore and 
history and magic in Latin America. Uh, Titoa probably belongs to the, Ara to the Arawak tribe because actually Titoa and Tatua and I think that is Tabi. Yeah, Tabi is as we call this, uh, these names, is the um, short version that we use. Tabas and Tabis are very common names, very common pronunciations in Amazon. Uh, maybe for, for that reason, uh, if you visit the trials, if you have the opportunity to visit Amazon in any moment of your life, uh, not just the tourist, the touristic part, also the the trials that give uh, different places very high from the rest. If you have that opportunity, you will notice something very interesting. Uh, they don't have access to many books. They don't have access to internet. They barely have access to clean water because the government of these countries don't don't really give them the importance and the care of these persons because uh, they are very disconnected from the society. So these governments don't give them money or importance, not the importance that they really deserve. So they don't have internet access, they don't have many books, they don't have libraries, they don't have bookstores, but they have a lot of witchcraft. And they don't call it witchcraft, they call it different, obviously. And the practice of magic in Amazon is incredibly similar to every book of American voodoo and American hoodoo that you can find in a bookstore in Manhattan or New Orleans or Salem or Chicago or LA. Really, really similar. The symbols, the, the brains, the chants, the practice, the mysteries, the secrets, the priesthood is incredibly similar. The, the natives have this practice and they call in different ways, in different tribes. Uh, usually the tribes have the names of the rivers that are close to the source or the origin of the tribe. Tidua is in all aspects, apparently Arawak. And Arawak are very popular uh, in the history of Dominican Republic, Haiti, and Venezuela. They have some, I think that they have actually three or four different tribes in these moments in, in Amazon. Three of them in the part of Brazil, one of them in the part of Amazon that belongs to Venezuela. Belongs, belongs, you know. It's, it's weird to speak that a part of the world belongs to a government. It's, it's, it's really weird. And If you listen the card, uh, if you don't understand why you are listening a card or verse or of the airplanes around, you need to go back to the first episode that is an introduction to this. You will understand why I have all of these uh, sounds around. Um, so, uh, we are speaking about the tribes. Why is this important? Because in every class that I give you, you will receive uh, information 
about the sorcery or the spell casting or the practice from my background because every master will teach you from the background that he has. Every master, every teacher will teach you in the way that they learn in their different college, in their different university, in their different classes. And they will give you the best that I know. I can teach you things that I know, but I can teach you two or three things that I learned in Amazon, in Venezuela, in Argentina. Um, I learned two or three things here in USA. So, the tribes. <laughs> um, it's a lot of voodoo. They don't use the word voodoo, but it's like witchcraft voodoo. It's the umbrella term that we use to put some kind of label of understanding about it because it's difficult to go around the world explaining over and over. I'm not a curandero, I'm a healer. I'm not, I'm not a shaman, I am a shaman. I'm not a witch, I am a brujo. I'm not a sorcerer, I am a magician. It's complicated and this creates all kind of misunderstandings and very good, good conversations that usually pass more time trying to explain why you are using that word uh, in the real topic of the conversation. It's incredible word and I really don't understand why we pay so much attention to the labels. Uh, I embrace all the umbrella terms and when someone don't like it, I really don't care because make easiest, make easy the conversation is very important make the conversation very fluid I don't want to pass I don't want to tell you oh, this is a spell of brujería and, and, and give you uh, the instructions in 50 minutes apart and past the next 3 hours just telling you why I use the word brujería not witchcraft that is wrongly translated in both ways because not are similar and don't have the, diff the, the, the similar source. It's a different linguistic, it's a different culture. So just to not waste the time on that. Uh, when you grow up uh, in these magical systems with tries, uh, it's very important to understand that yes, magic is everywhere and you need to find a difference but also a line of balance between the original practice of the tribe the origin of candomblé, the origin of banda, the origin of lukumi, the origin of the Afro-Caribbean voodoo and the part that was colonized, that was whitewashed in some way, that they just take some bits of that and just put a name. And I find that in many books, especially in American books. I'm not trying to hoard the fame or anyone. I'm not trying to hoard anyone. I'm not trying to um, throw anyone under the bus because that is not my purpose. Uh, but many times you find those books on metaphysics, metaphysics and magical system that are just picking stuff from different cultures that they don't really practice, that the authors don't really practice. Um, it's, it's very strange because you find so many references to people that really don't exist, 
and reference to practices that the author don't really put in practice. Like authors, I put one time or two times, no two times, I put spells in my books or rituals. I like to call them uh, energetical works, but people use the word spells. Mm, energetical work is that, it's a spell. And I put spells from the from gypsies. And this, in Latin America, it's pretty normal because we have a lot of uh, gypsy uh, with us. Is they are very open. When you come to USA, including the word gypsy, apparently it's offensive, it's disrespectful, you can use it. And everything about the gypsies is a close practice, but when you are in Latin America, we're speaking about around 20 countries, depending on the map that you, that you are watching. And some people just think that Latin America is 12 countries, and it's not, it's not 12 countries. Um, in Latin America, that we has a lot of population of, of this group of people. Um, they don't use the word Romani. They call themselves Gitanos, Gypsy. Actually, they has uh, with a different background, but they has a, a, a lot of population in Spain. Gitanos too. Gitanos are Gypsies. Um, they are not so close like the people think, or at least not in Latin America. They give you spells and they give you classes and they teach in their home. You go to their homes and they they have so many objects on divination, on magic, and you learn so, with so much of them. Uh, we have two neighbors in the, in the middle of the city. I never meet a gypsy, in, a gypsy person or a Romani person in Amazon, but I meet at least three uh, families, three Romani families in the city, in the capital, in Caracas. Two of these families, because they, are, they was neighbors of us, and the home was amazing. They has all of these objects and paints, all, all very mystical, also very, very religious people, incredible kind of people. They make amazing food. They make the best food in the world. They have so many systems of divination. And they has a lot of background and knowledge about history, about geography, about culture, about um, language. They grow up in a society that don't give them the respect and the space and the encouragement that they really deserve. What they teach you? They teach you for free. Uh, actually, I I don't have this typical story. This typical story that everybody repeats over and over. Oh, I learned to read tarot cards from my grandma. Uh, everybody has the same story. Uh, I don't know why you need to, to, to say that. Not all the grandmas take classes in the college about how to read tarot cards. But it's okay. <laughs> but I, I learned to read tarot cards with my mom. And after that, I teach to my grandma the, the minor arcana, and my grandma teaches to me the major arcana because she finds that a neighbor who actually look uh, like tarot cards give her a book on that, and she learned 
a lot of things very, very fast. So I start the practice in home and they bring the rest of the practice to me. Any of us, including my grandma, learn directly from the grandmas because my grandma don't, don't do divination. She practice something different that they do in the practice that consists in some kind of spell casting with rocks that you put making a circle in the floor and it's very very big like six or seven foot of long you create this circle with rocks and during the morning before the sun comes up in the morning you do a ritual with a divination in there and you can play the future or, or make questions about the past using the circle of rocks that is what she does uh, I was to teach her about tarot cards, but she specialized better and faster than me. But I learned uh, real, uh, palms and hands, not directly from uh, Romanis, not directly from them, uh, but I was so involved with my neighbors, I really love them so much. And they give me so much food. They give me so amazing food. They make this amazing bread with fruits and some strange sweet vegetables that they put inside. It's incredible because I just see that in their home and I never see that in a story in place. Uh, watching them reading palms over and over, I learned one or two things. And after that, I buy a book on called in Spanish Egyptian magic. Um, for some reason they don't call it Romani magic, but I know here to discuss about that. And I learned in this process directly with them. I learned watching them, reading the book, doing, taking notes, comparing one with another thing, making questions to them. And they say, oh, you're you are learning on this, yeah, I'm learning on this. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so you need to take more precautions on this, you need to take more um, more attention to this line, you need to watch this in this way, you need to take account about the weight or the form of the hand of the person too, how long are the fingers of the person, things that not was in the book. And it was very, very important to know. This is similar to the things that I always repeat about how people write about tribes and Afro-Caribbean tradition, people who is not people of color, people who don't come from Latin America, people who never put a food in Latin America, people who, who write from books and write other books, changing the information from the original source and saying, oh, in Latin America, in Latin America they do this. Uh, many times, I'm not saying that always, but many times it's just to fill the book. Other times that I can count with my hand, you can find a book from someone who is not Latin American, is not a person of color, but really has an honest interest in learning and teaching on this. And they really investigate the source, they really take classes, they really make an inversion of time on this and they are very committed on this and they are really giving you a good lesson about this. Sometimes I read, sometimes, I mean three times, 
books from persons who literally, he, they literally never put a foot in Latin America, in any con country of Latin America, but they know a lot. Because they are so interested in this, they learn, they take classes, they investigate, they buy the books. And when they speak, I'm like, wow, this person knows more about my history, about the history of my family, or the history of my tribe, or, or the history of my country, than myself. It's amazing. It's inspiring. But that not happens all the time. Most of the time, it's the contrary. Most of the time, is what is this person saying here? Let me take a sip of my tea while you listen to the birds. I'm drinking this amazing tea of peppermint that is very, very good for your blood and your breathing and your system. Because after this, I have yoga, so uh, we do yoga in the park. Um, it's very nice. It's not something that I teach, but it's something that I practice, that I really enjoy it. And this tea is very, very, very good for that. Sorry, I dropped my headphones in the floor for a second. So, growing with uh, this person, because many times people come to, oh, you come from Amazon, so you probably know all about this. No, I don't know all about this. Um, you grow up with this, with curanderos. Yeah, but the thing is that the curanderos in Latin America, they don't call themselves curanderos. It's weird. That is more <laughs> a North American thing that you just read two books on witchcraft and you call yourself a witch. Yeah. And how many years of practice do you have? Um, 20. And how old you are? 16. Oh, okay. That That's weird. It is, it's really weird. It's incredible how smart can be the people in some things, but in the same way they 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 are so incredibly smart to find the books, to make videos, to make podcasts, to be YouTubers and has all of this information on their brain, but in the same way they continue looking for validation and to find that validation in the public they decide to take labels, oh I am a witch, tarot reader, hermetic, Kabbalah, specialist, yogi, um, I don't know, professional healer, a professional witch, uh, initiating so many traditions. And how old are you? 17. Oh, okay. It's weird. Um, sometimes they are really taking seriously their practice, but it's like, I mean, I, I would never be attended for a doctor who has 17 years. I don't care how many books this person reads. It's not a professional. Uh, probably know all the theory, but I don't think I don't believe in his practice. But that's myself. Probably and very probably I am mistaking the situation. But I believe a lot in the practice. I don't care if you don't read any book. If I know that in the moment of the practice that you know something and you do, you really does the work. I believe in you. Uh, people hear so much about the books that you read and the labels that you use. Uh, well, they don't make questions about the practice because for just one reason. Many times these people really don't know what questions do because they are not really in the practice. They are just collecting books. That happens a lot of times. You should sit down with most of these uh, modern witches in the community 
is that most conversations are based in outdoors or outdoors, the outdoors and the books that they made and the publishers that made these books. And when you speak about spell and casting and crafting, they are totally they are totally lost in the conversation. They are like, why are you asking me that? That is personal. And well, we can speak about the authors, we can speak, we can speak about the books, we can speak about the publishers. Uh, like, pretending that our voice matters on that. We can speak about the practice too, we should. Hey, you practice this spell, you do this ritual, you make this amulet, this works for you. you, you feel that this really works. Oh, you know, it's relative, that depends on your system of belief, if it works or not. Uh, no, 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 no. You're just telling me that you don't know how to do the spell and probably it's not working for you. That is what you are telling me with your words. That happens a lot. In the drives, something that I really love, I really enjoy, and I really share with my students, and I have many students uh, in there. Here I just have like five or six, and I'm incredibly excellent with them, and I'm like, oh, I am the master, you need to obey me. I made cry three of my students last times. And they was like, well, you are so hard because without practice and training, you don't go to do any good result, and people will follow you. People will follow your example. And if you mix up something and you make mistakes in the process, and you are just doing this for money, and you have a bad fame, and the people who will you teach in the future will have the same bad fame because you don't know absolutely anything about real magic. Everybody will think that I am teaching bad and that's not my intention. My intention is that you use your potential and you have results. I don't care if at the end of my classes, after three or four or five years, you are called for others, healer, magician, which that's not my purpose. I don't care if at the end of the class you have followers on Instagram, TikTok, I don't care about that. I care that you have real results in the practice. And when you have other students or clients in this craft, people have results too. You can read all the books that you want of Gerald Gardner and Scott Cunningham, um, the other one that I don't know how to pronounce because I don't, I don't grow up with those books. I don't read most of these books. You can read all of that, but if, if in the end your spare work is not really working, I am doing a bad job, a terrible job. Training is very important. Something that, oh, you listen to those words are amazing. Something that we learn, I think that the birds are watching me in this moment, speaking to my phone. Uh, very well. If, if something that I find interesting is that United States has so many theoretical schools, everything virtual, everything made up with, uh, with PDF, um, online classes, that's cool to learn the theory, but uh, not always they focus in the practice. And if something is characteristic when you take classes on Amazon, probably for that I am so exigent, that's my background, is a training. We do a lot of training literally physical, mental, and emotional training. Uh, 
most of the base of this training is if you don't cry with the training for for the reason that it's so hard the chairman or the magical practitioner who is teaching you is doing a bad work because you need to train and take yourself to the limit and those trainings are very incredible hard and I can make you a whole recording about it or trainings are hard I actually um, in my last two or my first two in my first two initiations no in my last two initiations uh, in Amazon I cried during the process of the initiation in the second one I has I think that I had 17 or 16 when they did that initiation, that was my third one, and I cried for two days. And I can't move my body for two days. And, was, and I was located in this, in this room without light, uh, without clean water, just with a lot of meat to eat and fruits, and without windows, just with a door that is locked for two weeks and I passed the first two days crying in the corner of the room because I had fear to move inside of that place. That was really hard. And I never put to my students to do something like that because I, I know that it's hard and it's very traumatic but it's, a, it's the best way to explore your own mind and your own spirit in the total complete darkness that here in the United States is underestimated and very, very, very fashionable. Everybody is speaking about shadow work that they don't practice, shadow work that they don't do, shadow work, shadow work. Everybody all day, oh, I'm doing shadow work, I'm doing shadow work, but you turn off the lights in the room and everybody's crying. It's like, mm, how much shadow work you are really doing? If you feel offended for any for every comment that people does around, reflecting parts of yourself, maybe you are not doing exactly the good shadow work that you should do, because you are reflecting on their price. They are taking some triggers in you, and you are reflecting that in the physical world. So you are really doing that shadow work. People hitting that shadow work just pronounce and say, oh, you know, I have two or three traumas from my childhood. Yeah, I remember this, I remember this episode, I remember this, yeah, I do shadow work and continue tweeting about it. Yeah, okay. And part of the work of the shaman is work in yourself, in your inner self, and focus a lot on this and focus in how it's working your spirit and your soul connected in the middle of this traumatic life with so much fear, with so much trauma, with so much narcissism around, with so much healing work to do. Uh, people ignore that facts. Uh, it's very, very important because all your power, all your empowerment and all your potential is located there below these traumas and you need to work on that, you need to focus on that, you need to train to take that. The training shamans do in caves is amazing, it's empowerment, it's powerful, it's deep and takes you to levels that you can't imagine. After that, 
Imagine that you are located in a cave, in a literally a cave. It's not a room, it's not a place decorated like a cave with with brooms and sticks and leaves. No, no, no. It's a cave in Amazon, inside of the mountains, with just one change of clothes. And you work inside of this cave and you stay there for nine days. From the night of the new moon, because that is the sign that you can do the training, that you don't see the light of the mother of creation, that in Amazon is, uh, is what we call the moon, that you don't see her in the sky when you have the new moon, the dark moon, you don't see any reflection of the moon in the sky, and everything is so dark. And you see so many stars in the sky. They take you to the cave with your food that you need to take for the next days, and they let you there inside of the cave for nine days to do all the secret training, full of mysteries. When you walk out of that cave, after most of a week, in darkness, in a cave where you don't really see the light. Wow. This gives you some narcissism attitude that you need to avoid with the time because you're starting to be, uh, after all the shadow work, it's ironically that you do a lot of work in there, but when you come outside and people is very close into you, saying things that they don't know about shamanism and the spiritualism, Ghost, you are like, mm, you really don't know what are you doing. And make you feel narcissist. And it's weird because after doing all of this shadow work, you are like, okay, I'm finding more triggers on myself. I need to go back to the cave again. But it's incredible work that we're doing there. And work with these persons is incredible because you learn that the power is in the training, the power is in the will, the power is in the community. Something that really I always repeat is, I love the idea of the community, but in the United States we don't have community. We have four or five little factions working for power and fame publicly, and that's disgusting. Those little factions based on the ego and narcissistic attitudes of someone. Usually a man, usually a man, usually a children, but no real elders. Real elders don't have time for these fights. Real elders don't have time to fight publicly in social media for that. They are really busy training new generations for everything coming. So it's where he is so much about the labels. I don't know if it's just here, but when I come from Venezuela, I remember, maybe I'm just nostalgic, but I don't remember that people focus so much on labels. But from this, I remember that was the third day that was here. No, was the first one, no, was the second one, was the third day. I just had three days in the United States and persons uh, involved in, in this movement of magic immediately comes to me like, uh, are you a witch? Are you a healer? Are you a shaman? Are you this? Are you this? Are you that? Are you do this work? And it's like, okay, I do this and this and this. Oh, so you are this and this and this. You are a diviner. You are a anesthetist. You are a dowser. And they're like, 
Oh, labels. Okay. Kind of feels like pe people has this weird complex that they need to have everything in control and to find that they have everything in control, they put people under their control and to find themselves good with the appearance of control they need to put you inside of a box with labels if you are not inside of a box if you don't fit the box if you don't deserve the label you don't have the validation with these people it's incredible weird almost traumatic in the tribes something I'm watching the most beautiful red bird that you can imagine in your life is singing and it's just like 10 feet to me. And he goes, uh, what's red? Red, red like my, like my blood. Um, when, you grow up, when you grow up in these places, people is not too much in words like curandero that is a very popular word but it's essentially a word mm, a folklorist or a folkloric word that people from the cities used to refer to the people who live in amazon and do these words that are essentially sanadores translate correctly and very well translated to english like healers very well translated. But people in the tribes are not like, oh, you know, I'm a curandero. Uh, no, nobody does that. If someone says that, you take that person like, mm, this is a common, so avoid these people. Try to avoid that people. But the words that we use are essentially sanadores or some people call blues, that's okay. It's a person who practices brujeria that is in some way related with witchcraft, but it's not the same. And we continue thinking that witchcraft should be translated to brujeria. And this is where I remember I read this, the famous blue book of Raymond Bookland about witchcraft. And this book was translated in Spanish. And this was because to find this word translated in Spanish saying things about people from England venerating the nature and doing this practice about the fertility of the world and the mother Gaia. But anything of this is totally related, not totally, with the practice that we do in Latin America. We have Pachamama, but it's totally different. Pachamama is entirely different. So it's a very good topic of conversation that we can keep. So this is all about training and about practice, learning is very important, but I always repeat that witchcraft and magic are most than the topics that you find in your books. I always say that and I continue believing on that. And I think I will continue thinking on that at the moment that someone teach me the contrary. And for now, nobody teach me that. Uh, let me end this recording and I will try to make another one for the class on healing, healing with with hands. If I had the time to do it, I will record that and upload that immediately. So we have around 40 minutes of recording here. This will be enough for the class. I think I will be in um, like 
complement this with a with some kind of paper, a document or something. Uh, squirrels, we have squirrels today. Squirrels who watch like watch like the enemy or like enemy food. So, um, okay, uh, I don't have anything else to say here. Um, be safe, be well, be kind, be clever, kind with everyone. Um, try to be safe, okay? Remember that you are lover and you are blessed.